the 15th floor of the Energy Building, this is GNR Airtime, the podcast that explores the current trends from emerging and well-established industries hosted by the lawyers of GNR. This podcast is for general guidance only and does not constitute definitive advice. As the title suggests, we would discuss the regulatory framework of cryptocurrency in Indonesia, hinting that it would be technically illegal to pay for a transaction using cryptocurrency in Indonesia. On top of this, we would also like to discuss the very basic concept of money and why cryptocurrency is very intriguing for many. Hello everyone, welcome to GNR Airtime. My name is Bagus Wicaksono and I'm joined by my colleague Dion Alfadian Rian Diaprilianshya. Hi again, Gus. Hi guys, how are you today? Not too bad, thanks. It's thanks for having us. Another episode with us, so I'm very excited for this episode because as you have heard before, we're going to be discussing cryptocurrency yep. and the development of it. This is going to be a very interesting discussion. So before we dive deeper, I think we have heard some terms from virtual currency to all the way to cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm such as Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ripple, and the latest one being Facebook issuing its own uh, virtual currency called Libra. Yep. Not to mention also there's been all over the news that JP Morgan also issued its own virtual currency called JP, JPM coins. Right. So we have also seen in the market substantial price hikes of a certain cryptocurrency only in very short period of time. Mm-hmm during which some dubs cryptocurrency as one of the most aggressive investments instrument. In other times, we have also seen serious price drop of a certain cryptocurrency due to security hacking or other reasons. So I think uh, it's safe to say that our discussion is going to be very interesting. Uh, we'll span from a very basic understanding of what cryptocurrency is, all the way to how a cryptocurrency has shaped the Indonesian regulation. All right, so just to give context of our episode for the day, so what we'll be discussing today, uh, Randy? So yeah, we basically would like to have a fun discussion or chat about <laughs> cryptocurrency. Yeah, I think it should be fun, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so basically we would like to discuss about the overview of cryptocurrency. Yep. Uh, this uh, would uh, hopefully give general understanding to our listeners mm-hmm. on what is cryptocurrency. Uh, does it really have value at all? And how does cryptocurrency transaction generally work? Mm-hmm. And how it is seen from the regulatory perspective in Indonesia? Right. So I think we have a lot, a lot of grounds to cover. So I think we'll, we're just going to start to what is actually a cryptocurrency, Dion? Yeah. Earlier you said cryptocurrency is also uh, known as virtual currency. Some people call it digital currency, virtual money, digital money. But basically, it's the same uh, or similar to each other. It's a digital medium of exchange using cryptography to secure transactions, to control the creation of units, and to verify the transfer of assets. So basically, it's currency. Just just like your money, it's currency. Right. At least that's what the creators want it to be. All right. Okay. The difference is fiat money is issued by the central government. Say in Indonesia, it's issued by Bank Indonesia, mm. while cryptocurrency is issued by private issuer. So cryptocurrency in no way is backed by the government okay right in theory uh, fiat money is guaranteed by the government right that's, yeah. that's a difference so the amount set out in our banknotes warrants the value of claim that you have against the government for example in the past if you have uh, one pound sterling means you have a claim against the uk government to pay you one pound of gold of course wow okay so 
there are more questions that I have in my head now. Okay, but just going back to the cryptocurrency first, how does it work then compared to its typical cash equivalent transaction, uh, for example, a credit card or debit card transaction? How does it work then? So yeah, basically to understand the distinction, uh, we have to talk a little bit on how conventional tra transaction is done. Uh, basically, we, we use a bank. So basically, if I want to buy something from you, basically I tell my bank to transfer my money uh, from my account to you. And later on, bank will deduct my account and transfer it to you. So I will be fully relied on the banks uh, and I put so much trust in the bank. Uh, to settle the transaction. Okay, so what about cryptocurrency? So in cryptocurrency transaction, uh, the one primary feature is that cryptocurrency uh, uses a distributed ledger system called the blockchain. Okay. Uh, it is a ledger that is administered by so-called miners through a verifying and recording process called mining. So basically, this is to distinguish it with the centralized ledger system administered by the banks uh, for conventional transaction. Right, okay. Uh, one second. You mentioned blockchain as a distributed ledger system. So can you just explain a little bit on this one? Well, I think to discuss in detail about blockchain, we need a single episode uh, <laughs> okay. for itself. But we, we can try simply, to make it concise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let, let's, let's, uh, let me just explain a typical uh, cryptocurrency transaction. Okay. Uh, so basically, if I want to buy something from you uh, using cryptocurrency, uh, I will just uh, notify all everyone in the networks that I'm going to give you my cryptocurrency, say one unit of uh, cryptocurrency. And then that information is published to the whole network. Say there are 10 people in the network. And then the miners, uh, the miners meaning everyone except the transacting parties, uh, they verify if the transactions are valid. And the cryptocurrency that I would like to spend is not double spend. It's not already spent before. And then once verified, the cryptocurrency is moved from me to you. So my cryptocurrency's unit is reduced and your cryptocurrency unit is added. So each of the miners then bundles the last few transactions into a block. They then select the header of the most recent block and insert it into the new block. So basically they link the previous block with the latest block. Uh, yeah, we call it uh, hashes through the hashes and they, they basically create a chain of blocks. That's why this process is called a blockchain. Right, so the creation of these blockchains are done by the so-called miners. Correct, yeah. So why would these miners bother to verify all of this transaction? That's a good question. So I told you that the verification and the recorder of the transactions are verified by miners. Mm. Uh, say in one network, there are eight, miner, uh, eight miners because the transacting parties are two, right? Right. So these miners uh, who verified the transaction, they will be given a mathematical problem for them to solve. Okay. Okay, and they try to solve that problem. Whoever uh, solved the problem the quickest and submit what what is so called proof of proof of work gets a reward. The reward itself is in the form of the cryptocurrency itself. Ah, I see. So that's why this process is called the mining, and these people are called miners. 
because the verifying and recording process leads to the creation of a new unit of cryptocurrency. Right. Okay. But who would create the mathematical mathematical, mathematical problem? That's a system. <laughs> uh, that's a system generated by the creator of the cryptocurrency itself. Say, in in the case of a Bitcoin, the Satoshi Nakamoto has created the, the protocol thing. no they oh. created the protocol generating the mathematical problem every time a transaction is verified and recorded i see right wow okay i mean that that sounds like a i mean do you know any miners <laughs> <laughs> well when we say miners it seems like we're talking about individuals but right. actually the biggest miners here in in the world are actually institutional miners Right, so it's a it's a some sort of a company. Yeah, yeah, it's a company mm-hmm. or it's a group of people. Uh, the main reason for this is because mining cryptocurrency needs a lot of resources, electricity, uh, computers. So when we talk about computers, it's not just like like the laptop that we have here or the personal computer, but it's actually can be in a form of like you imagine one of the uh, manufacturing plants in Pulau Gadung can right, be as yeah. big as that. It's very wow. heavy uh, use of electricity. So in other parts of the world, like in China or in uh, Iceland, they they need to use like uh, the, the the flow of water in the river to cool in, uh, their computers. That's, that's how uh, major the operation is. Right, so we've discussed about what a cryptocurrency is, right. the development of it. We also discussed about how the blockchain mechanism being implemented with by the miners. So now moving on with the subject, what are the features of a cryptocurrency actually? Yeah, aside from the obvious feature for transactions on illegal goods and tax evasions, which we won't be discussing <laughs> today. Right, yeah, we shouldn't. <laughs> CC actually has the seven characteristics of good payment instruments which are limited in quantity, mm-hmm. non-quantifiable, portable, divisible, durable, fungible, and there's history of acceptance. Right. Well, not so much on the last two, the fungibility and the history, history of acceptance. acceptance yeah. okay. But that is something that will build over time. So mm. along the way, when people use cryptocurrencies more often, more regular, these two characteristics will build up By eventually. But just briefly on the first one, uh, the limited uh, nature of cryptocurrency, I want to take an example of Bitcoin. Okay. So an amount of new Bitcoin is released with each mined block. So they call it block reward. Block reward is half every 210,000 blocks created or roughly every four years. So initially the block reward was 50. It was in 2009. Okay. So in 20, 2014, the block reward became half, which is 25. Now the block reward is 12 and a half. So what, what does this mean? So basically, if taking the previous example on how to close a cryptocurrency transaction, four years ago, uh, when, when a miner solved the mathematical problem very quickly and they closed the transaction, they got 25 units of cryptocurrency, right. in this case, Bitcoin. But nowadays, The miners, the quickest miners, they only get 12 and a half. So oh, I see. four years from now, it can be uh, half of 12.5, which is 6.25. So for Bitcoin, there will be a maximum of 21 million Bitcoin, uh, which roughly 
can be issued up until 200 sorry 2140 so that's year year 2140 okay so now in circulation there is around 12 million bitcoin out of the total 21 million exactly but remember the halving uh, mechanism that's why although it's only less than 50% bitcoin left right it won't be issued it won't be totally issued until 2140 right so in a way there is a scarcity surrounding uh, bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies and this artificial scarcity is the main driver of its high valuation right so that that's why it has the uh, limited in quantity feature and other than that security also plays an important role that can drive the value of a cryptocurrency that is why when you heard in the media a while ago when there is a security hack uh, uh, over a certain cryptocurrency making people lose their cryptocurrencies stored online yeah. the price will drop to overcome security issues actually cryptocurrencies can also store offline it's known as cold storage as opposed to uh, hot storage if it is uh, stored online, online? Okay. but nevertheless i mean we we also hear cases where people lose its uh, cold storage so it's it's not very rare people losing their cryptocurrencies online or offline so with all those cases happening is it then secure to use cryptocurrency for any transactions well actually that is a question that we are not well positioned to answer <laughs> But I'm going back to the entire blockchain system that Riyandi explained earlier. Mm -hmm. So to compare it with the traditional credit card or debit card transactions where uh, we fully rely on the banks to verify and record the transaction. In cryptocurrency transaction, the verification and recording will be done by the entire network of miners. Say if in a cryptocurrency network there are like 1 million users, then the entire parties will be uh, liable to make the verification and the recording so right. it's so it's the question is like do you really trust your bank uh, or do you really trust this one million exactly right. so and in most cases transactions cannot be approved and cannot be settled if not very verified by for example a certain uh, majority of miners in the network say a simple majority or super majority right interesting okay so with all these features that you just mentioned uh, uh, also the issues that uh, cryptocurrency bears how do the Indonesian authorities see cryptocurrencies so yeah as you can see in the media a while ago Bank Indonesia repeatedly said that cryptocurrency is not a legitimate form of currency meaning that it cannot be used as a means of payment. Right, yes. Uh, in its fintech regulation issued in 2016, Bank of Indonesia also sets out uh, specific prohibitions on using cryptocurrency or virtual currency. For example, the fintech operators, e-money operators, uh, payment gateway operators, and so on, are prohibited from engaging in payment system activities using a virtual currency. And the second point is that virtual currency is not a legal payment instrument in Indonesia. That's at least set out in the 2016 BI uh, Bank Indonesia regulation. So yeah, another hindrance for using cryptocurrency as a means of payment is as set out in the currency law. All right. Okay. So because it essentially mandates the use of rupiah, right, during the transaction uh, undertaken within the Indonesia for payment purposes. Correct. Yeah. 
Right. So can we actually then use cryptocurrency in Indonesia? Well, I suppose based on what Randy just explained, I don't think we can, right? Yeah, I think it's clear what uh, with what Randy said. Uh, the government stance is obviously that the cryptocurrency is not a payment instrument. Okay. It is not a currency. Full stop. Right. Right. So what is that? Yeah, as an alternative, the government perceives cryptocurrency as a commodity. So, uh, in fact, the government does not prohibit the circulation of cryptocurrency, but they regulate it through a regulation issued by the Commodity Futures Trading Regulatory Agency, or BAPAPTI. Okay. So, based on regulations, cryptocurrency, or now that it's perceived as an asset or commodity, it's now crypto assets. It's officially recognized as a commodity that can be traded on the futures exchanges. Provided that the cryptocurrency, the future exchanges in which the cryptocurrency is to be traded and the relevant clearing houses have to be registered with BAPAPTI. So itself, so that itself is actually already a difficult requirement. Mm -hmm. Because the regulation requires future exchanges and clearing houses dealing in crypto assets to have a paid up capital of at least 1.5 trillion rupiah and must maintain a closing capital balance of at least 1.2 trillion rupiah, wow. which is huge. Yeah, that's huge. I don't know of any business requiring higher capital requirement than banks. Yep. That's wow. okay. this is huge. Yeah. So it remains to be seen if these restrictions and requirements for cryptocurrency exchange would be effective and to support a broader use of cryptocurrency. And we have heard pessimistic views from the players in the market about this. But I think it's too premature to... We have heard pessimistic views from the players in the market, but I think it's too premature to take a definitive stance at this point. Right, so, well, obviously there are things that needs to be uh, discussed further, I think, in terms of the regulatory background and at the same time, the development of it. So just... There's a lot of things. Yeah, right. So just on the last question, I think for me, uh, I've also heard something about stable coin. I'm not sure if that's the same animal or could just one of you explain what it is exactly? So yeah, technically it's a form of cryptocurrency that try to maintain its value stability by pegging or linking the coin themselves to more stable underlying assets such as gold or the US dollar. Okay. So it serves basically as a hybrid between cryptocurrency and conventional money. So the prominent example would be Libra, which is issued by uh, Facebook. Facebook? Okay. And the other one is the JPM coin issued by JP Morgan. So both Libra and JPM coin, they are not cryptocurrency. They are actually stable coins. Yes, because it's not based on cryptography. It's right. just basically, you know, you put some precious underlying assets such mm -hmm. as gold or USD and convert it into uh, so-called coin. So it is quite similar with what we have seen here in Indonesia, like e-money, right? You have to put some money yep. on it, transfer it to the e-money issuer, and then the e-money issuer will submit, will deliver to you some quote-unquote electronic money. Right. So does it mean that stable coins are subject to the BAPAPTI regulation on cryptocurrency and also subject to the e-money regulations. So yeah, it's 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 a bit complicated uh, here. If the stable coin is based or backed by rupiah, then it's arguably can be seen as the e-money, electronic money regime. 
uh, we've discussed this in our other podcast is that there are various uh, definition and requirement uh, pertaining electronic money. Uh, while if the stable coin is backed by gold or other currency other than rupiah, I think it can be subject to the BAPEPTI regulation and or it can, it can be seen as the quote-unquote crypto assets. Wow, okay. So there are tons of other questions I have with regards to cryptocurrency. But since we've been talking about fintech in our previous episodes, I think for now, cryptocurrency is, I think, one of the last developed areas of fintech Indonesia, don't you think? Yeah, you can say that. Yeah, because also, I mean, I've also heard about uh, the thing called initial coin offering, and I've never uh, actually heard about any potential of such ICO that people say. Correct. We've never heard anything uh, in Indonesia. Right. So as you mentioned before, from a regulatory standpoint, with cryptocurrency being put under the auspices of Bapapti, and with the trading of it subjected to various restrictions, then... Arguably, cryptocurrency could be deemed in the future less appealing than from a business perspective. Yes, unfortunately so. But I think we don't want to be overly pessimistic about the future of cryptocurrency in Indonesia. You know, because as with other fintech areas, in most cases, the regulation have to keep up with the business model presented oh, by true. the business player. Right. So it's not purely impossible that this will be also the case with cryptocurrency. Right, I totally agree. So yeah, in, because in particular, in my opinion, if, the, if in the future cryptocurrency has become the norm and then uh, widely accepted by other jurisdictions, government, and... And yeah, things may change, right? Yeah, things might change, indeed. Right, okay, so it has been a very fruitful discussion. Uh, thank you very much, guys, for joining me in this episode of the GNR Airtime. I will see you in the next episode. See ya!